Hi, listeners. This is Josh Zygmunt, host of the HR Works podcast and content director of the HR Daily Advisor. Welcome back to another great episode of the HR Works Showcase, where we team up with the brands you know and love from the world of human resources and people operations, handing over the mic and letting them hit record for a change. These are the episodes produced for you and by you, the great members of this HR community. In today's episode, we're sharing another installment from Bamboo HR's podcast series, The Era, a podcast that explores the employee experience. Listen as Bamboo HR's CEO, Brad Wrencher, explores the question, does putting employees first really lead to better business outcomes? In this latest episode, which kicks off the era's second season, Brad shares a conversation with Danielle Yanis, co-founder and CEO of Checker, an HR technology company that specializes in background checks, and they discuss how building a great employee experience actually starts with building a great candidate experience. I'm excited to share this episode with you all, so let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of our second season of The Era, where we take the time to really explore the impact of providing best-in-class employee experiences and the outcome that it provides for businesses. It is something that really, across every industry size of company, has really come to the forefront of how we think about running a business. How do we grow a business? It comes back to the people. And it's an exciting time in the industry because it's the topic that has now has now been inserted directly into all the board conversations, the boardroom conversations, executive conversations across the globe. And we're really excited today to have Danielle Yanis, the co-founder and CEO of Checker which is an HR tech company that really has pioneered and transformed how background checks are done. And you think about the employee experience and where that starts, it really starts with the candidate experience. So we're looking forward to this conversation and jumping into some of the details. So Daniel, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Brad, for having me. I'm excited to be here with you. It, uh, well, maybe let's get started and and start all the way back when you, you know, what was the reason, why does Checker exist? What was the reason and maybe that problem statement that you saw back before you founded the company? Yeah, so we founded the company in 2014. So my friend and co-founder Jonathan and I were software engineers in a delivery startup. Uh, it was the very beginning of the gig economy. So very early right. days of Uber and Lyft starting to do ride sharing and we, we had a specific problem of candidate experience and hiring thousands of contractors as fast as possible on the platform. And so I did research into the background check process because doing a background check was almost the only interview step you know, in the gig economy. You don't really do formal interviews. You, you, you do a few identity checks, a few questions, maybe car check or insurance, and then you go and you have a job. And so the background check was very important. It was like the one of the key steps of the, of the hiring process. Major step, yeah. And the solutions back then were, were not great for, for that level of scale. They were very manual, slow, not a great uh, technology in terms of integration experience. So that's where we identified a, a gap in the market because we couldn't find the right solution for our business to scale and, and hire thousands of contractors. So that's where we had the idea to, to build a software company, an API company to really streamline and automate background checks because that, that was not available on the market. And, you know, as you think about that and, and, and maybe just to get a little bit technical for a minute, you use the word API. Like, what, you know, why, is, why is that a part of the business description checker? Why is that important? Yes, because back then, Lyft and Uber and, you know, then DoorDash came in, all of those platforms they 
want to have, you know, some of you have seen them, everything is on the app, right? So the drivers are using the app in order to sign up and start driving and accepting jobs and rides. And then the consumer, of course, is using the app. And so those companies wanted to streamline all of the hiring process to be in one app, one experience. So they couldn't afford to have the candidate bounce from one website to another or to, you know, e-sign documents or go to their email. The companies were trying to have all of this experience in one app. And so if you want to have the different types of checks and the background check and all of the you know, onboarding and application steps into one app, you need APIs because APIs allow you to include, you know, building blocks and one part of the application into one app. And so I was looking for an API to plug into my app that I was building. And so there was no API for background checks. You've heard about maybe, you know, AWS and Stripe and Google Maps, all of those services have APIs so you can check, take that product and put it into one app. There was no API for background checks, so so we invented the first API for background checks. So that was that was the problem statement and the technical approach to the the founding of Checker. So, as you founded the company, what was what was the you know the outlook in terms of how you started to do your? Let's start with the mission. Let's start with the vision and the values. How did you th- go about creating a company where? you can provide a delightful employee experience. Yeah, so so actually when we started very early, just a few of us, we started with the culture. We didn't have a mission. We knew what product we're going to build and more of a technical vision. Even when I, I went to Y Combinator to kind of learn the startup basics and, and how to start a company, I was just an engineer. I've never done any of these things before. And it was really stressed to me how important it is to, to build a culture right. And with my co-founder, we worked together in different jobs before, and we've been disappointed as employees about, you know, aspects of uh, previous company cultures. So it's okay. easy to, f- to see the cultural things we didn't like in other companies, like a lack of transparency, of having, you know, top-heavy organization with lots of leaders, but no transparency on how decisions are made, or working with coworkers who, you know, had egos and you have political issues, so we basically kind of designed the culture on saying like, what are the things we're going to try in our company, Jonathan and I, to, to do better so that we can provide our employees an experience that was better than what we've seen in our previous jobs. So we really started with the culture and trying to, to define a few traits and values that we're going to apply to the first employee we're, we're going to hire. And it sounds like it's almost like you, you, you said, okay, how do we do the opposite of what, of what we've experienced before? What are some of those experiences? And let's, let's implement it. actually reminds me of, the, of George Costanza in Seinfeld. There was the one episode where he was asked to do, he, he lived his day by doing just the complete opposite of what he would normally do. And it went great for him. So it sounds like it's going pretty well for you in terms of taking some of those lessons from earlier companies and applying it to Checker. So talk a little bit about how you landed on your values and what those are. Yeah, so we, we actually did Zappos, you know, mountain and valley exercise. So I think if you look at okay. Zappos culture, they have like a culture building um, workshop where uh, what we did is we, we took our early employees. So initially we hired early employees. We're looking for smart people that are hardworking and no ego, you know, humble, kind people. Uh, that was our initial traits, pretty naive, but that's how we hired our first employees and actually created a very nice initial culture for when we got to 10, 20 people. And then we did the mountain and valley exercise with Zappos where we took our early employees 
and we, we looked at everyone in their life, what are the, the highs of their life, the lows, what are some of their personal traits and characteristics, and then we kind of merged these together with a few of our early team members. We also looked at Jonathan and Mike, like the founders, like what are the things we, we care about, and we drafted a set of, uh, I think we had seven or eight core values at the, at the beginning. Yes. And since then, we've iterated a few times, removing some, making some updates, but that's really how, how we got started. And, and since day one, we had you know, core values like grit, like humility, like transparency. Those are some of the core values that we had since day one and, and that we still have continued all the way to, to today. And, and Danielle, how many employees do you have today? So you, you did this exercise when you were about 20. Like, what are, where are you today? Yeah, today we are uh, over 1,000. So, yeah, but we added a few zeros. You've added a few zeros. But the values, have you found that there's a willingness of, of you know, by your team? Because sometimes people are like, if we change our values or update those, like, or will the employees accept that? And you said, we've tweaked them along the way. Have the values evolved and has there been a willingness to accept that? And same thing from a culture standpoint, how has that evolved from early or kind of early travelers to over a thousand? Yeah. So it's, it's important to keep stability. That's definitely not something we want to change too often, the values. But also I think the culture in the company has to evolve when you hit a few milestones, especially when you get, you know, from 30 to 100 to 300 to 1,000 you almost have those new levels and and so it's okay for the culture to evolve. So for our core values, I think we've done two updates in, a, in the eight years that we've been started. So not, not that many. In the beginning, we had eight values. I think we've done some reframing a little bit of the words to make it simpler. And then at one point we went from eight to five because people felt like it was too much to, to remember eight values and we simplified it to, to five. We also looked what are the values that people are really living versus aspirational. But yeah, we haven't made that many changes, just uh, just uh, two updates in, in eight years. It's fantastic. And Checker is known um, in the industry for being just a fantastic employer. And I think the, the pillars are really around that transparency. Your leadership style, the executive team's leadership style is one of, of transparency and helping to understand and maybe it comes back from just that API approach to where you document everything and, and that's, that's the way the company's been built. Yeah, I mean, yeah, culture has been important for us since day one. We wanted to make sure it's a good employee experience and people are happy and productive in, in their job. We also said, you know, we want to be a people first company. You know, Jonathan and I strongly believe that if you invest in people and if you create a healthy culture, um, if you really invest in the employees, that's going to pay back in terms of business success. I think a lot of companies are investing a lot in like having the smartest people and the best strategy and doing all of this hard strategic work and under invest in, in the people and the culture. And so it, it's a team sport, right? So it's not having the absolute best players that's going to make a team sport win. It's really if, if, uh, if people really are aligned and work well together. And so when you have a team with hundreds or thousands, there's a lot of effort that, that needs to go into having a, a good culture. And, and for us, that, that has helped when the culture is good, the morale is good, the alignment is high, then business performance follows. I love that. And, you know, and I love the, you know, because you do think about so many times in technology and in many industries, we kind of celebrate the heroes. You know, it's, it becomes almost very individual, but I love the, that approach of, hey, it really is about the team team wins together, team builds together. 
So I love that. So let's get into a little bit of that, that, you know, the mission of the company. And like you, you, you shared, Danielle, a little bit on the flaws of the historical background check process, you know, rife with errors and, you know, and maybe, you know, some bias that's in there. What is it that, you know, what is it about the historical process that um, just hasn't, it, it's, it's not working? Yeah, and, and I, we didn't know the flaws and, uh, and the issues in the background check industry until we got deep into it with, with my co-founder. Right, because we had no background in this industry, we just saw that it was broken from a product perspective and customer yeah. experience. We didn't know how it was working until we started to to build it. So I think over the first year of the company, we're starting to process background checks and get deeper and deeper into automating this process. We we discovered two issues. So first, the the data quality is not great, and so it cre- it leads to lots of accuracy issues. So what would be an example of that, like? What, you know, what's a common issue that would show up in a background check that is not accurate? A very common issue is like identity issues. So let's say a lot of people have the same name. So if you, you know, John Smith or Jose Rodriguez are two of the most common name in the U.S. And okay. there's thousands of people who have the exact same name and sometimes have the same date of birth as well. And so what can happen is because the information you know, is, is, is not always very accurate at the source. So background check is made by compiling data from different data sources, from the government, like courthouses, uh, on the justice system in different places, from the DMV, from credit bureaus, from universities, really compiling information and presenting it in, in a background check. And so with the scale, you can have identity issues. So we discovered that first problem. Okay. and. Yeah, the, the, the mistake rate is, was very high when, when we got started. Uh, it would happen on a frequent basis, and many people have had you know, identity theft and identity issues of being matched with the wrong person. Like, it's not your address. You can maybe have a criminal record that doesn't belong to you. SSN numbers can get stolen or, or mistaken in, a, in the same household. So lots of identity issues. That was the first that was the first thing that you saw. So is, is it like, I mean, like one out of every five or two out of every five? Or what was the mistake rate you think you saw initially? I think b- back then, a few years ago, the FTC did like a report and yeah. said that in the credit report and background check industry, those are close to each other. The accuracy is about 95%, which is extremely bad. It means like up to 5% I know. Yeah. of mistakes. Especially when it's like, are you going to get a mortgage or are you going to get this job? Yeah. And you know, a 5% you know, mistake rate is probably too high. Yeah. So that was the first problem we discovered, accuracy issue. That's actually a great problem to solve with technology. And, and we can talk about, about that in a few minutes. And then the second problem we discussed, which is much bigger and much more important, is the the bias and the fairness aspect tied to the justice system. And so I was shocked when we started to process background checks to see how many people have a criminal record. And later on, we, we, we learned that in the US, one in three Americans has a criminal record, which is a huge statistics. It's tens of millions of people who have had you know, a DUI or theft uh, crime or drug possession. There's, there's many different types of criminal offenses. And so people make mistakes, get arrested, and, and there's just a very high rate. And then it's, of course, tied to the systemic racism that we all are aware of in the, in the justice system in the U.S. And uh, black people and underrepresented minorities being a lot more affected and impacted by, by the system. And that translates into 
background check impact and, and people getting opportunities. So, so then we discovered by looking at the behavior of our customers, anytime there was some type of flag on a, on a background check, customers that are not advanced or educated or, 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 or very developed, what would they do? They would just reject people who have flags and hire the person with a, with a clean background. And so we would see thousands and thousands of great candidates who, yes, had a mistake in the past, you know, maybe a long time ago, maybe completely irrelevant, but still getting rejected again and again. And I think we had to take ownership as background check companies and industry because the way we're, the background check industry is presenting information to employers is very, very hard to use. It's very hard to understand, you know, is that a risk to my business? Is that relevant or not? You almost need like a low degree to read a background check sometimes. And so that's the bigger problem we found is like how many millions of people are getting rejected because they might have something on their background. And, and so that was the beginning of, uh, of us deciding this is going to become our mission. We can, we can, with technology, help bring more fairness here, reduce bias and help more people get uh, opportunities. And so it was one to where, you know, and the maybe even in these high volume roles, because you kind of came from this gig economy where it, you know, if there's a flag there, it's just a binary, it's a, it's automatically excluded if there's a flag, you know, without even having to go through and read it, it just was a quick yes, no. And so by definition, then you got tens of millions of people who were being excluded from the labor pool. Yeah, that that's exactly how, how it was happening. And for me, it really became real when in the early days, I, I like to share this story. So Jonathan and I were doing everything like sales and customer support and picking up the phone where candidates were calling, we would get a lot of phone calls from candidates with a record who are calling us to share their story. And I remember talking to a mom in Texas, applying for a, a cleaning uh, on-demand platform, and she would share that she has five kids, that she has no income if she doesn't get this job, and, and she has regrets about the criminal record she had many years ago, and really you know, begging us for this job. And that really touched me, and I realized, you know, how many individual stories of people who are extremely motivated to work they are and, and how the current process just blocks way too many people out of, out of it. So that was to me the first kind of yeah. human story that made it very real um, for us. And, and then after that, we, we started to do focus groups with candidates rejected. We started to go to prison visits to understand the whole prison system and reentry experience. And, uh, and, and we became... Uh, uh, really leaders in, in second chances and fair chance. But it started with uh, just listening to the story of our users or of the candidates. So so you've been you've gone deep into this and this is back to the overall the can, the candidate experience as part of that employee experience. And we think about what we're doing as business leaders and business owners and what are our both our business um, obligations and responsibilities and also a moral responsibility and obligation in you know in the world so what do we do about this like you know what what's what's next and and what should we be thinking about yeah i mean i think what's great is that actually on this topic you can align business success and responsibility with the moral and ethical aspect of of what we can do as business leaders or, or business owners or or, or managers in companies, because it, it's it's a win-win situation, and we've we've experienced it at Checker. So our focus at Checker is really on fair chance, or also called second chances, which is giving people who have made a mistake or who might not have the perfect experience, you know, a shot and a chance, and then you know that that can really be a great investment into into hiring great employees and, and workers, and so. 
the, the good news is there's a huge pool of talent. There's you know, 30 million people with a criminal record who have skills and experience and you know, extreme motivation to get a better job or advance in their career. And if we give them a chance, and, and at Checker we're here to help, like there's many ways of doing it that you can start with you know, crimes that are really not relevant from a long time ago that pose zero risk to your business. But if you give a chance to someone, then they're really going to, to work hard for your business, to be so grateful and to give it you know, their all. And we've done it at Checker. We have 5% of our employees who are fair chance candidates. Okay. And the business success comes out of that because I think every industry is not able to, enough, to, to find enough talent these days. And so that's a huge pool of uh, qualified workers that's untapped. And so by opening your funnel of candidates a bit more to, the, to, 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 a, to a broader set of people, you're able to reduce your cost to hire, to increase diversity, to just find more talent, to grow your business faster. And it's really you know, a positive in terms of, of business performance. So, so I think by starting to explore fair chance hiring, lots of business leaders can, can run a, a more uh, performant business. You know, I, I love that. I mean, if you put the put the employees and the people at the center of the business, that's good for business. Is essentially your message. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about Checker, the the that that candidate experience and employee experience. Talk a little bit about what you look to create, starting with the, the obviously the background check and the hiring, but the overall kind of candidate and employee experience at Checker. Yes. Yeah, so so you know the background check process is a big part of the candidate experience. It's traditionally not been a great kind of experience. It's a, it's a stressful process. It's a compliance step. It's not, it's not very transparent. So you don't really know what information is going to show up about you. You are like, oh, okay, I think there's nothing there. But it's, it's not a great experience. It's really stressful. And even for the HR teams, it's not the most fun, fun part of the process. So making it simple, delightful, fast, and transparent is good both for candidates and, and for businesses. When we think about candidate experience, like even when we do our own hiring at Checker, um, I think it's a huge differentiator to find great talents. There's so many co- companies competing for the same people that if you, in, if you don't invest in candidate experience, it's going to be hard to, to find the, the best employees. And you know, selling them on your company starts you know, at, at the very first step of your website or job posting or the first interaction they have on the phone with a, with a recruiter, that is super important. So we, we've invested on having a, a great kind of experience, staffing those teams well with, with, with a good capacity, and then trying to have a very nice process for the candidates so that it's transparent and it's fast. Um, I think right. we discovered competing with all kinds of other tech companies, like even Google and large companies, you would be surprised how many companies do it wrong and, and offer a bad experience. I've interviewed in many companies and there was always a black box, very slow. I had never an idea of what's going to be the next step. And then oftentimes you would show up and have people not even come to the interview or you're lost on the campus. It's quite bad, actually, the, yeah. I would say the average. So if as a company you do things like relatively right, you're fast, you are transparent on what are the different steps to get to the job and you try to be nice to the candidate, let them also ask questions. We also give them like gifts, even if they're rejected. Like we do a lot of little touches to delight them. And, and that's been really great. And so oftentimes we win candidates who have multiple offers because we're able to move faster or provide a better experience during the recruiting process. So I, I think candidate experience I is, is huge. I think that's a great rallying cry. Okay, people, like we've got to up our candidate experience in the, uh, at the beginning of the relationship with these, the, with these fantastic humans. A great call. Maybe one question. 
Diversity and inclusion is, is something that obviously all of us, you know, in the industry and across business, there's been a lot of conversation, a lot of, you know, strategies that have been put out there, a lot of conversations. How does what you're doing fit there as people think about, you know, inclusion, diversity? How do you think about that at Checker? Yeah, so I, I think it's it's very aligned with fair chance hiring. I mean, at the end of the day, why are companies not not diverse? You know, to reflect their community around them, and I think in tech is definitely the, uh, a challenge for for many tech companies. I think it's because people look at you know a, a very narrow profile of people to hire. Oftentimes, that reflect them, and so you know, if I take me as an example, like I'm you know I'm a white man. I'm an engineer, I went to good colleges. So if I hire people that are just like me, that's that's how you get into you know non non-diverse companies. And and that's a really a big miss in terms of business performance, creativity, creating a great environment. And 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 so so I, I think it's always the same step, is like being open to hiring people that have different backgrounds and being more open-minded in terms of all of the characteristics you're looking into an employee. So that can be education, you know, that can be location. And, and that can be, of course, all of the diversity dimensions uh, of, of identity. And so for, for fair chance hiring, it's one aspect of that is being open to people who have made mistakes and giving them another chance. But then for, you know, the other dimension is being more open to different educational degrees, you know, professional experience. And, and that's, I think, the, the foundation of, of diversity. Well, on our side at Checker, you know, from the very early days, maybe because I'm an immigrant and and uh, you know, I have, I have, my dad is Muslim, and I come from different countries. And I don't know, I was very open, excited, and open to hire people that are very different. I, I thought that's gonna bring a lot of value to the company. And and so we focused on on diversity early on. And then I think in in tech in general, there's lots of strategies being discussed and lots of you know feel good content. But then you look at the results, and and it's just not happening. And so. I think one thing we, we've done at Checker and we're trying to do is to keep ourselves accountable and to start to measure things and give goals. It's kind of the hard way. It's, it's, it's maybe a bit more controversial, but we said like, hey, if we want to make progress on diversity, we have to give ourselves accountable. So we did set diversity goals, not quotas, but goals. We said, hey, here is where we are. We have, um, I don't know, 35% women uh, in the company or, or, or non-male in the company. And so we said, let's grow this to 40% this year and then 45. And so now we're at you know, over 45% non-male, which, which is great gender diversity. We did the same thing for underrepresented diversity uh, groups. And, uh, and we have our own goal of fair chance hiring as well. So that kind of metrics tracking has helped us to make progress and keeping leaders accountable. We've also put in place the Rooney Rule. Um, so for people who don't know what that is, it's, it's coming from professional football. And so we put in place a rule that for every hire we make, we want to have at least two diverse candidates making it to the, to the on-site interview. So, so that has also helped us kind of give the time to, to find and source diverse candidates. And so th through those mechanisms, we've been able to, to get to really strong diversity stats in terms of yeah, gender diversity, uh, underrepresented uh, groups at Checker over 25% of our workforce, and we have over 5% of fair chance candidates as well. And that's just for the first step, which is hiring and, and building a diverse team. 
and and then that, that's that's just the beginning then you know it's the question is how do you include people make them successful yeah. you know that leads to retention and promotions and of course those are not easy things to to succeed at but we're we're working uh, actively on it I, and I love Daniel thanks for sharing that in terms of the detail that that you're going into around these topics and what an important mission that you're about and how checkers playing into that for all of us to to look at are there ways that we should be doing this differently, starting all the way with the candidate experience? I do have one question that I do want to double click into, because you guys are a, a technology kind of first, technology centric business where maybe the approaches in, in background checks has been very service oriented before. So can technology actually solve the, the problems, the mistakes, even the bias in this process and if so, are we just trading one form of bias for another form of bias in, in, in the form of AI and how AI interacts? So maybe first question is, can technology actually solve this? And two, are we trading one set of problems for another? Thoughts there? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, technology is just a, a tool. And so it's a very powerful tool and AI is a, a very powerful technology and I mean, technology can do anything we want it to do. So technology can be used to create good or can use to create very bad application and outcomes. And sometimes technology, you know, people are starting to use technology and they have a good intent, but then there's unintended consequences. And I think that's what we're seeing with, with social media. So it's not that technology is good or bad on its own. It just depends how we use it and what we, we do with it. So, I mean, for, for, from, from what we do at Checker, so we used AI to solve some of those problems that we discovered. So first, we used AI to solve the identity and accuracy issue because technology can be very accurate, much more accurate and precise than a human to um, find similarities and differences in names, for example, or locations. And so we used all of the data points we had and trained AI to, to make sure we are reducing the number of mistakes on identity. And that has worked. We have now uh, over 99.5% accuracy in an industry that used to be you know, 95%. So we've really you know, almost increased by 100x the, the accuracy in our industry with uh, the use of technology. But, you know, if we were using AI to automate the entire um, hiring decision without being careful of what data is, fit, is put in, you know, that, that could create bias and you, you don't want a robot to, to make hiring decisions without knowing how it's used. So I think that could be, you know, the dangerous side of AI. We're definitely steering away from that. We're using AI for accuracy. We're using AI to predict the turnaround time of a background to know, you know, when exactly is it going to be ready. So those, I would say, are very safe uses of AI. I think when people get in trouble is when the AI makes very complex human decisions without fully understanding how, how it's used. So I think, I think that's a good question, but I'm, I'm very bullish and optimistic that if we take the great technology we have and we truly try to engineer solutions to, to fairness issues, it can really help uh, the, the humans. Well, Danielle, it's, thank you for sharing the, this amazing mission. You think about how do you, how do you really start to impact the lives of tens of millions of people who are looking for things in their life that help them create a better environment, a better outcome for their families, and helping them create the, you know, a more fair outcome for the things that they want to do in their life. What a mission. What an important thing to do. 
Thank you for coming on the era and and telling us a little bit about your story. No, thank you, Brad. You know, it, it's exciting. You know, every business and business leader, small business, medium or large, can improve. You know, their diversity, give second chances, and and get the benefits of it. So we're very excited to share this with the world. You know, for free at Checker.com, we have resources and playbooks on how to get started on on fair chance hiring. So uh, thank you for giving us a voice here and and helping drive more, more second chances in recruiting. Yeah, what a, what a great conversation. And thank you all for joining in this episode of The Era, where we really step back and look at what are those experiences that we're providing to our employees, our candidates, and can we create outcomes for not only the human, but for the business in a way that helps amplify the good that's happening across the world and in our businesses. So thank you for tuning in and look forward to hearing and, and conversing more next time. Thank you. Looking for ways to combat the great resignation and keep your very best people? Check out the 2022 Guide to Retention. You'll discover just how hard it is for organizations to retain employees in 2022, why people leave and learn what you can do to boost retention and minimize turnover in your organization. Find this guide and many more helpful resources at bamboohr.com resources and discover more ways you can do great work. That's bamboohr.com forward slash resources. We hope you enjoyed today's HR Work Showcase. And thanks again to our partners at Bamboo HR for sharing another great episode of The Era. If you've enjoyed this latest episode, be sure to check out the previous episodes of the HR Work Showcase for more great insight into building the employee experience. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe to the HR Works podcast channel for all your HR podcasting needs and to keep up to date with all of our latest shows from the HR Works podcast family. Until next time, this is Josh Zygmunt signing off.